Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Hello, hello, and welcome back to OsteoCast. We are back and recording, and today's episode is going to be a case study podcast. So we have a case study that we're going to work through, and we'll see where we get to. We might have a second one, Um, but today's um, patient that we're going to look at, we'll just give you a brief history of, and then we'll kind of work through a few things and chat through them. So this patient is female, 35 years old, and operates heavy machinery as a job. So part of their job description, they're up high in a machine, looking down and often twisting left or right um, to do their job accordingly. So their presentation of symptoms is sore feet. They also um, report very tight calves and withstanding for any length of time, the feeling in their feet Sometimes gets numb and tingly, but it's also very, very painful. So when they're standing for a period of time, they notice that um, it's uncomfortable for them and they're constantly feeling very fidgety. Um, And this client also has a history of low back pain. So um, that has always been an issue for them. They have been cleared by their family doctor for treatment. Um, They have got MRI and... um, imaging done and they haven't been referred to any other specialists um, as their MRI shows that they have some um, chronic anterior wedging around T7, 8, and 9 that's likely due to a post-traumatic injury. It's not physiologic. And they also have a rotoscoliosis. So for anybody that doesn't know what that is, um, it's a form of scoliosis where there's also a rotation added in. Um, This is something that you could look up online, but um, it's definitely maybe more severe in terms of of lesion patterns. And their apex is around L3. So this patient has been in for treatment um, for about six, seven months now. Um, And their job description drastically changes when the summer months come around. So initially with treatment, we definitely had them at a point where they were able to stand for longer periods of time with less pain. Um, and not noticing um, as many symptoms. Um, But as soon as their job description changed where they're in that position um, and constantly kind of being seated high, bending forward and twisting back, things things are getting, um, becoming more prominent again. Um, And so this patient is currently being seen um, more frequently in terms of treatment to be able to create more lasting changes. But it'll be interesting to see um, them through kind of more of that winter winter months or when their job description changes and they're not in that constant chronic pattern. So um, the two of you, Colby and Sarah, do you guys have any questions to start with or anything that kind of comes up in terms of um, patient health history or um, treatment? So when did you start the treatment process with them? Um, about six to seven months ago, I believe. Um, so initially, like I said, when they came in, they weren't in that, um, constant chronic pattern of flex forward and rotating. Um, so initially we got really good change. Um, and then that pattern started again and it, things started to kind of slowly go backwards or kind of become more of a plateau. 
um, instead of seeing improvement with treatment because they're in that pattern so so frequently throughout their their day. Yeah, the body's a little more susceptible to it because of the other things it's dealing with. Yep, for sure. So when you're dealing with uh, that patient, where did you, where have you found the most help at this point in time, as far as the treatment goes? Because we know what their presentations are, but what was your, what was your treatment process or thought process working through uh, some of the patterns you're dealing with? So initially my first thought, and so when I first started seeing them, I hadn't seen their MRI results. Um, they were in the process of getting that from their family doctor. So initially my thought process was let's get the pelvis moving a little bit better. Let's look at the, um, lumbosacral junction and the DL junction to make sure that those two things are coordinating and the upper and the lower girdle are working well together. Um, so the first couple treatments was more along that process and we were getting some change, but things maybe weren't sticking as well. And then now I would say, the the most the area that has the most restriction is right around that like mid thoracic region and sta cervical region um and i find that i get more more change in the lower girdle when i treat that area um obviously because there is that rotation component in the lumbar spine so we aren't going to change that scoliotic pattern so looking from how the loading is coming down um, and from the base up as well like looking more at the feet, knee, hip joints as well, making sure they're working really well gives me a lot more of a change. So taking into consideration all the loading patterns, but um, I do find that that T789 area is definitely the most restricted. Um, and there's definitely almost like an anchor point there as opposed to at the the DL junction because things are pretty extended and rotated yeah, or feel said, that way anyways. And you said L3 was the apex for the rotoscoliosis? Yes. Yeah, so that, may, so that may be compensatory to such and just trying to stabilize the body there and you're trying to get that, that compensation or stabilization spread out a little bit so it has more movement pattern, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, cool. And that's the thing, like our goal with treatment isn't to change those patterns but is to make sure that there's a functionality to these patterns because – based on the the patient positioning, but also based on the the history, um, those aren't things that we're looking to go in and change, nor are we going to really be able to. That's a hugely important point for the listeners is that sometimes treatment is not about fixing or helping fix what the patient's dealing with, but it's helping the patient become as functional as they can with the conditions or the structure that they have. And sometimes the reality is that that doesn't mean that they're going to be playing soccer again, but it's making sure that they can walk comfortably or stand comfortably or get a good night's sleep. Well, and the reality is too, this person, this is their, their job. This is how they make their income. Right. Well, so exactly. our goal is to make sure that they can keep doing that. Yeah. And do they have any other uh, symptoms as a result of demand, such as trouble sleeping, trouble with digestion, um, any issues with their menstrual cycle? So they report that those things are fairly normal or consistent for them. Um, but there definitely is a slow, um, their digestion is slower. So they'll go through um, periods of um, constipation and diarrhea, but then they'll also have um, times where things are fairly consistent and solid bowel movements are passed. Um, and their cycle is, I would say, 
they report it as painful um, and irregular. But again, those things have been common for them since they were younger. So it's not inconsistent um, with it's not inconsistent with their normal patterns. Okay. And do you guys see a positive change regarding um, improvement in bowel movements and possible menstrual pain closer to uh, having a treatment versus further down the line when they are expected to come back into the clinic? Definitely in the first few months when they weren't um, like before the summer spring hit and they weren't in that frequent pattern, there was uh, a significant change or inconsistency and regularity of those things for sure. Right on. How is the so, patient responding to the changes you're making? Are they happy with them or are they, they feel like they're defeated? I know it's one thing I always run into when I have patients that are dealing with long-term um, things or conditions that may not ever get completely better. How are you going about that? So the patient always reports feeling amazing when they get off the table, which is, I mean, always great. Um, but yeah, patient, it's it's always a hard conversation to have because they feel good when they leave. And then based on different factors, um, depending on what the timing is like, then they'll see those things come back. So um, that is you know, always a conversation. And so we're also talking about like repatterning things. So once they've been in for treatment, then we've also talked about how to repattern different um, movements and um, different movement patterns so that this patient will see more of a long-term um, effect from treatment and more of long-term changes. So those will always be patient dependent, but for this person in particular, it's about trying to get the top and the bottom to coordinate together. Um, and movement is more, um, focused, slow and intentional after treatment, um, so that they can really work on trying to repattern those, those movements. That's awesome. It's very interesting. But yeah, that's always a, a hard yeah, no doubt. Very interesting case, though. For sure. I find the ones we always talk about in case studies are always the most complicated and interesting ones. It's like the the creme de la creme. It's, you rarely have conversations on the like simple uh, sore necks with some muscular restriction and some you know anterior head carriage or whatever, and a couple of treatments goes by and patients are doing better. Yeah, it's it's these type of treatments where you know you're helping them, but the results don't stick as quick or as long as we want them to. That has a scratch in our head and wondering what we can do more of. But when they have this of job that's creating this lesion pattern constantly, it's kind of a never-ending battle, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So I am looking forward to seeing them through through like a winter season where this has really been changed and we have more time um, because it was really only a couple months before that happened. And then yeah. they transitioned back to work. So that will be super interesting. But we did have this conversation. I think it was offline with just the three of us, but it's always hard to, this person is a referral from another client who saw great results very quickly because they didn't have a lot going on um, in their health history or, um, you know, in traumatic injury or anything like that. And so yeah. this other person um, you know, came in, saw great results. Um, and, you know, so they referred this client, which is great. So it's always interesting to manage those expectations as well. 
um, because the patient that referred them got great results, saw quick change um, and lasting change. And it's just really that each individual is so unique. Yes. Yeah. It's always challenging that case, but it's good. Yeah. So yeah, very interesting for sure. Um, I think Colby, Um, you said you have another patient that we can walk through. Yeah. I was just going to ask one more thing or or mention one thing with this patient that that you're dealing with. Um, As you go through this winter time where they don't have that recurring uh, patterns and positions that they're dealing with. Another thing that comes to my mind when you speak of the patient is Mm -hmm. as they're getting better in their loading patterns and functionally is also potentially to um, request or Uh, refer to doing some resistance training just to help to stabilize the new position so that when the following summer comes, they don't get thrown off axis quite as much by it. So as for sure, that might be something just to consider. And I don't know what that looks like because I'm not familiar with the patient, but that might be something that can be very valuable for them if they have three or four months of resistance training to to stabilize and control new positions that may be very helpful uh, for the future with them. Yeah. And just in you saying that too, is super important. If you're a listener or you're a practitioner that's listening, um, that those, that resistance training goes hand in hand with, um, treatment and making sure that those patterns are cleaned up and taken care of before we start that resistance training so that we're reinforcing strong, healthy patterns as opposed to the pattern that's kept them in this position for long periods of time. Exactly. And it should be guided just, especially when they have such a, a vulnerable pattern as, as you've kind of stated with the fact that it came back with, with some work for a little while, it should be something that is definitely um, monitored and controlled as far as the technical component. Cause it sounds like there's going to be some level of discord between what they're doing and what they feel like they're doing. So working through that connection plus developing the, some strength or stability, but it's a process that would require not only making sure that the body is doing well, but also making sure that it's being done appropriately and having an attention to detail uh, above and beyond just, okay, let's do some uh, lunges and some, whatever it's like, let's, you have to have much more detail and much more focus on the, the body control itself to maintain those positions. Cause they'll always want to fall into their, in quotation marks, their comfortable areas or zones, which may be the, the poor patterning that causes pain. Right. Yeah, for sure. Super important. Cool. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that just so just, just as a thought for it. Um, but yeah, I do have a, a patient that we can discuss as well. Um, so this patient, uh, has been in treatment for about four or four or five weeks now, just kind of, I think we're, I think we're four, four appointments in anyways. Um, patients experiencing symptomology anyways is um, terrible bloating that causes uh, pain, some pain in the upper back, some pain in the uh, lateral side of the breasts, as well as pain in the arm. Um, basically can cause trouble so that she can't sleep. This patient can't sleep very well. Um, has trouble moving, also has pain with uh, intercourse. So it's very physiologically based symptomology as far as movement patterns go. They move quite well and feel pretty healthy with movement. Um, but the the main concerns for them is whenever they have any sort of food with any sort of acidity or spice or ultimately sometimes just food, they get very, very bloated to the point where uh, their abdomen is quite distended and very sore, feeling like it's going to tear almost is some of the the things that they've said. So 
um, going through the assessment uh, with said patient. Um, there's there's lots going on physiologically, so it's hard to say like, hey, yeah, there's tension through the abdomen, through the the upper right quadrant and lower right quadrant, that whole right side, but um, a little more structurally to talk about first. Um, breathing mechanics as a whole are lacking. They breathe in the belly and they lift the shoulders when they breathe, but the rib cage and the sternum is not changing much when breathing. So that was a, a major focus for us up till now or still moving forward with treatment is creating much better breathing and rib mechanics as well as coordination through the diaphragm and also giving some breathing exercises to work on expanding the chest. First, just getting the chest to expand and then we'll work through developing like a 3D breathing pattern, which is expanding both from the back, the sides and the front of the ribs. Um, they also had a, a quite an extended pattern at T6 through T8 with an extension side bend to the right rotation to the left. Um, but it was like a hard side bend rotation left. So it was, wasn't really budging. So that was something that we had to take into consideration. The sacrum as well, like the thorax was not moving as well as it should with breathing. So it's not nutating and counter nutating. Uh, it stuck a little bit into counter nutation and then almost a bit of an anterior translation of the sacrum itself. Uh, with this, there's a handful of fascial patterns built in, but we won't get into too much depth of those. And then also another very couple important things for me to mention is some cranial mechanics. Uh, the sagittal suture had a, a superior right shear, as well as the temporal bone having the right temporal bone having a rotation anterior. So it's creating some some trouble at the uh, squamous suture there. And then also there is quite a bit of tension shearing across or coming across the frame and magnum. So coming across the, the base of the skull to the spine or to the cervical spine where it connects, there's a, an extension and rotation pattern, but really limiting the, the fluid flow through that frame and magnum. Those are the, the majority of the the assessment for now, obviously we could break it down into every single joint because you know how everything's affected by everything. But those were the main concerns at this point in time. Um, before I talk about some of the treatment process or, or some of the things that we've looked at, do you guys have any questions based on that? I'm super intrigued to know what like what their like CD junction and head carriage posture is like. I know if you're talking about there being like this big shear through, you know, the um the temporal bone and the squamous suture, um, if, is there like a big change in that head carriage posture? No, almost straight up. Like really? the CD, the CD junction is, it's like almost extended, like a, like a flat board. And that's based on, uh, years of, um, their own postural control. Okay. Like but, very, but very lack of movement in that area. Uh, lack of flexion and extension, rotation is fine. Okay. And what about their cervicals? Do they have a good extension pattern? Yeah, the, cer the cervicals extension flexion pattern is, is relatively decent. Rotation is limited a little bit to the left, but the main uh, limitation is at the um, OA. The OA has very poor motion, almost okay. locked right up. It doesn't move much at all which matches what you found at the sacrum too. Yep. Very cool. Well, if you've only done a few treatments, um, I mean, obviously you've seen their breathing mechanics change, like as you mentioned, um, but was that a lot more fascial um, treatment 
or and trying to get things moving more or were you doing some some other bony bony treatment no, as well it's, it's the treatment has been at this point in time I would say that it's been more musculoskeletal. The fascial level is not something we've we've needed to use much, uh, and quite a bit of physiological work, as well as some some cranial work has been big for her. So we have her to the point now where like she sleeps most nights without pain or without waking up. Her bloating is is virtually gone, besides having some level of uh, of bloating if she has uh, too spicy of foods. But we've started to introduce some of those things back in um, with these spicy foods and acidic foods and stuff because without them, she feels good. So we're trying to introduce them and see how her body does with them. And, and it's definitely improved, but it's not 100% for her yet. She has uh, been able to have um, mo- most movements are good now and intercourse are good without pain. So that's a, a huge improvement for her, but it's really the, the bloating that's still limited. And frequency of treatment looks like what currently? Uh, I'm seeing her weekly at this point in time. Okay. And are you instructing her to eat that, eat spicy food like pre just prior to treatment so you can see what it, how it's changing or is that, has it been an instruction at all? No, I didn't, uh, I hadn't made any instruction on it in uh, the last treatment or two treatments ago. I'd have to look up notes, but I'm not going to do that right now. Um, she took it upon herself to try uh, some different foods because she was feeling well and noticed that the response was significantly less than it may have been before, but still getting some response from it. And we're just going to continue that as a, like monitoring that every week or two to have, have a meal or two that's like that to see how it improves as, as one of our measures of change. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's more so organic. Seen really good results so far. Yeah. She's doing very yeah. well. But treatment process, do you guys have any more questions before I jump into the treatment process? Um, I was just curious more about what, when you're saying the word, like it has been more physiologic in nature, if you could describe that, but it sounds like you're going to do that anyways. Yeah. So <clears throat> instead of looking uh, like obviously the structure and the physi- physiology goes hand in hand and you have to consider them hand in hand with treatment, but instead of looking at like, uh, you know, diagonal torsion patterns or lateral lines in as far as the fascial line or mechanically at specific rotations or extensions or uh, rib placements, the focus has been on improving the function or the health of the patient. So we've had a, a primary focus on improving the breathing patterns for respiration. And then a, the secondary focus is improving the craniosacral rhythm to make sure that, that that's working well, almost like we're trying to ignite the engine from within and get the body functioning better physiologically and using that to improve the mechanics of, of the rib cage and the extension in the middle of the thorax and the sacrum. And the reason that we chose to go that direction opposed to mechanically is in the assessment mechanically, there was lack of motion in a lot of these areas, whether it was frame and magnum or the sacrum, but they were, uh, the lack of motion was really to do with with the breathing pattern and the craniosacral rhythm, there wasn't a lack of motion necessarily or not as severe of one when doing pure motion testing through those areas. So opposed to it resisting, so you know, interesting. let's say in T6, opposed to it existing flexion because it's extended, it'll, it'll flex a little bit and then it will stop. 
but with breathing, as you breathe, it's like a block. It's not moving at all. So it shows that its irritation is more so to breathing than it is as a mechanical flexion or extension. So we just chose to take a little bit of a different path. And I think in the, the first treatment, we treated it a little bit more um, globally for the body. And we looked at some of those those fascial lines briefly, as well as the mechanical uh, pattern we found. And it didn't make much of a change. So we just took a different approach to see if we could find another way in and then the body let us in this other way. So so important when you're treating patients to keep looking for those things and understanding mechanically when they work and when they don't so that you can provide good treatment. That's awesome. Yeah. And then as far as the intent and how those changes were made, um, they could be on all levels from whether we're looking at the fascia or muscles or bones or ligaments or craniosacral patterns, like whatever tools we needed to use to get in there was helpful. But the intent of treatment was to improve those functions more so opposed to um, helping correct a mechanical pattern. So um, the cranial work is is difficult to explain online, of course, but um, the main focus being balancing the, uh, the sagittal suture shear across the palate and into the jaw, and then the temporal bone rotation. So trying to coordinate between the temporal bone and the parietal bone and then the sphenoid in front. So using a, a an indirect to direct pattern for, for part of the treatment, both fascially and mechanically to work through that. And the other thing with that is to make sure that we worked on taking the load off the frame and magnum so that the fluid could flow as it needed. So treating through that extension pattern that was stuck at the frame and magnum, and then some fascial work to release that so you could get some more fluid flow was really important and releasing that and getting good flow and rhythm through the head was a massive part of, of kind of re-energizing the body. And that also assisted with the respiration process and then working through the thorax and the ribs. Um, we've done it both from the bottom up and from the top down at this point in time to try and get the ribs to lift or to lower just to get better movement through the intercostals and the thorax. And it is responding slowly but surely to it. Uh, and then some of the other things that we've nice. taken a look at is some abdominal work, working through uh, the right and left quadrants of the the abdomen and the soft tissues there to release some of the tensions that are present there as well. Did you notice a pubic shear at all? Uh, yes, but it uh, it corrected very quickly. Like we we did one. Uh, leverage on it, I'm going to call it, and it came back to neutral. So I knew it was, I knew if it maintains presence, it's compensatory to what's going on above. Yeah. Nice. So just in terms of um, treatment um, timing and treatment process, is there something specific that you're looking for in terms of um, quality of motion, maybe of the rib cage before you start uh, spacing this patient out in terms of treatment? We just, um, I yeah, know it's we, always going to depend on the person, but yeah, we just moved to two weeks. So we're going to give the patient two weeks this time and see how they do and how they hold out for two weeks. So they're not relying on treatment weekly. So the, the quality that I was looking for in that was having good bowel movements as well as their sleep patterns. And both of those things are improving. And the rib cage, as far as breathing goes, the sternum is now lifting and coming forward with breath, which it was not, which is huge. We do not have posterior expansion, but generally that's the last piece that comes into to proper breathing mechanics. But 
we've uh, we started to spread things out just this last treatment just to make sure the body isn't feeling good just because it's relying on the treatment it's receiving but that it's actually getting healthier so so important to find those objective markers where the body is starting to do the job by itself and then be able to I think this is the hardest part about treatment is be able to space them out and know and trust that that is actually going to be what what helps the patient more so that we're not just relying on the well you just keep coming back and we'll just keep fixing it every week because we're teaching the body something that's almost counterintuitive to its own healing process at that point exactly now for us, we're just trying like for this patient in particular, but for others, it's I'm just trying to get the engine started, trying to get that ignition going so that it can take care of itself. Yeah. And physiological changes take longer to come through and need a bit more time for that change to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, some, some oh. take longer, some are shorter, but it requires some time for the body to rebuild itself too. And uh, one thing I don't think we touched on, what was the um, age of the patient, Colby? Um, I'm just going to say uh, middle age, just for the sake of the patient. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, middle age. No, because that, of course, has a factor as well for your client and Amanda's client, right? The longer patterns been in the body, the longer it will take for it to come out. And even yeah. then kind of what we were referring to with Amanda's client, sometimes it's not going to come out, but it's more of a quality of life uh, treatment exactly. protocol. Well, and hormonally, if it's a female patient, I mean, even if it's a male patient, but um, middle age tends to be a, a time where hormones change drastically. So that's also a, a factor that might be at play depending on the age of the patient. Totally. Yeah, really good point. Awesome. I like it. Anything else you guys want to add? No, I'd love if we came back to these case studies in a couple months just to do a quick quick check-in on how they are doing. Um, Now that we've kind of know their lesion pattern, know where they're at in the treatment process, and just to see what changes um, happen in the next few months would be really cool. Nice. I like it. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, you guys know where to find us. We are on Instagram at osteocast underscore on Facebook at osteocast. And if you're still listening, we'd love for you to give us a rating on um, our Spotify or wherever you're listening to your podcast, because that will just help us reach more people. Um, And as always, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or you want us to talk about a certain topic, please send us a message because we love to interact with you and make sure that you're receiving the content that you want to hear about. So thank you for listening and we will chat soon. Beautiful. Have a good one, guys. Bye.